Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher, and I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. Welcome, fellas. What's up? And, uh, you know, we love it. We love that you're here listening to the podcast, but we'd also love if you reviewed us or rated us or uh, subscribed or told your friends about us, whatever the kind of things that you want to do. We're happy for to take any of those things, as long as they're five stars. No no two-star review. Do you guys see... Why would you even give a two-star review? It's like... Do we have any? We have a four... Did no, you see I'm the four-star review that we got? Like for the, for oh, anything. We got a four-star no. review, and it was it was no. really nice, but it was kind of a bummer because they gave us four stars, and they said that they would appreciate a, a female perspective. And, like, I'm on board with that, oh, but at the yeah. same time, we're all dudes. So I... I don't know if they mean gonna, yeah. if we get a female. Ovaries, so I can't help you there. I was Here's like, the man, uh, we w- I would love that fifth we star. Can't even get, we can't get guests. We can't even get our wives to <laughs> listen to this podcast, much less come on here and talk about these albums yeah, with us. That's just the honest truth. You're right. I, yeah, I, I would. If, if anyone would like to participate, yeah, uh, regardless of gender, and you feel like you would, yeah, I mean, we're not like this isn't a closed door. This is it's hard enough to get the three of us together in a virtual room. Yeah. <laughs> True, and you know what? Honestly, here's another easy way to plug it. Hey, go tell us your female perspective on Facebook, Instagram, any of those places. We will yeah. gladly discuss it further on those things. That's, we actually really like doing that. I love uh, going back and forth on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, although we probably need to be better about actually posting on those things. Um, so anyway, thanks for being here. Uh, today we are going to talk about uh, the, gosh, what year did this come out? 2004. 2004, 2004 album from Reliant K called Mm-hmm. 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 Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sassy mm-hmm. Or do we Never think really it's... S- I don't think mm-hmm. I've said it out loud before. I just read it. Yeah, That's true. Anyway, it's a, it's a good album, and, and Kyle is going to tell us about it. Kyle, okay. take it away. So, uh, as I was telling you, Did dudes, you learn anything about this album? I, I, didn't, I didn't, but you, you teased potential tidbits. And I have some... I guess I have some cool... Maybe some cool stories about Reliant K. Uh, but... but um, no, there's that not a whole too. lot about this record, and we were debating a little bit about this. This could potentially be the most commercially successful record that we've done with the least amount of information. The Saves the Day record had virtually no information about it, um, but I think maybe this is more commercially successful. I'll get into that a little bit, but Mm-hmm is the fourth full-length album by uh, pop-punk <laughs> band Reliant K. Uh, it came out November 2nd, 2004, and it was first released on Goatee Records. I think most people know that know of Reliant K, that they were they were a Christian band on this Christian label owned by T Mac, Toby Mac, Toby McKeon from uh, DC Talk fame. And um, anyway, it was I, I I believe it was later picked up by Capital. Um, and it was. And so came out 2004. It was produced by Mark Lee Townsend and Matt Thiessen, the uh, lead vocalist. And let's see. Um, this was their first release on Capitol. And their bass player, Brian Pittman, who had been along for the ride on all the Goatee records before, this was the last record that he did with them. Um, let's see. Uh, that's... That's, I mean, honestly, like it goes on to talk about who they toured with. They toured with Good Charlotte and Maxine, which if you don't know who Maxine is, you should definitely check them out. They put out, they really put out one record, but they recorded two records and you can, you can 
pirate that one if you want to, but that's also an excellent band. Very police-like. I remember that band. What a great band. Um, anyway, they toured with they toured with Good Charlotte and Simple Plan, and and I mean, I, I kind of feel like um, not to get too much into first impressions, but like one th- one thing I distinctly remember talking to you about Chris way back in the day is like, this was the band you kind of like gently razzed me about like, man, I just, I just don't get it. I'm not into them. I don't like them. And I remember you telling me when this record came out that this was it, this was the one that they won you over. And, and I remember feeling like there was just a ton of, of hype and momentum for them around this time. Um, and, and turns out, I mean, the record has sold 800,000 copies, not too shabby. Uh, that's a pretty good that job. Awesome. Job well done. That's pretty good. And and it even, it charted uh, at 15 on the Billboard 200. So, I mean, Jeez. pretty good job. So it turns out I only come around when the rest of the world does. I'm like, hey, I get it now. So <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think to be fair, I, I felt the same way. I, I, I was going to say, it's a, it's, it is a great record. It's great. Yeah. yeah, so my little tidbits that I thought were interesting, only probably to me and Chris, so this is probably why you didn't pick up on okay. this. So Mark Lee Townsend, as you mentioned... Well, you actually didn't mention, but he was also a DC Talk guy. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, mention that. One of the musicians. How so? Yeah, uh, toured with him and stuff. And so, okay. obviously, there's the connection to picking him up to do producer stuff. Do you know who else he produced, Chris? Two different Ooh. bands that we toured with. What? The Wedding and DS Bell. Oh, yes. He produced both now their I stuff do- and signed them because he did like um, he did A&R stuff for whatever that label was that I guess was Goatee. That, so anyway. I remember when we hung out with the wedding guys, they were pretty, they, they would play shows with these guys a lot. So that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So um, that there's the uh, connection. And so I thought that was an interesting uh, little tidbit of information that I did not know until I started looking in this record. Mark Lee Townsend. So he, yeah. he like was like a musician with DC. Yeah. Talk? So he was like a touring musician with Deus and like, or sorry with, uh, with DC talk. And then, uh, he was in a band that basically became Sonic flood, which oh. if you were around Christian worship music at all, they were kind of the people that kicked off this kind of new thing with that. Uh, so he was in the original version, basically, of that band, but it was called something else. I don't remember what it was. And then he was gotten to doing more production stuff. So, and probably got tired of so, being on tour all the time and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. The most, the other most interesting tidbit that I found was that uh, High of seventy five was released in Christian markets, but not uh, mainstream markets, and it spent fifteen consecutive weeks in the top ten. And I think it is insane that they didn't push that song to mainstream. So. Um, I completely agree with you there. I, I do. This is, brings up a really good point that I feel like gets brought up all the time. Uh, there's always these songs on albums that I feel like the fans love. like And universally, and, and with Spotify, it's really interesting too now because you can see the play count on stuff. And it's quite obvious that the rest of the world feels the same way you uh-huh. do about songs most of the time. You're like... Everyone loves this track, and I realize they don't have the ability to look at, you know, whatever, Spotify plays and and things like that back in, in these days, in the early 2000s. But, you know, it seems like they missed that 
almost all the time on some band. Like there was some song that everyone loved and it maybe didn't fit the formula as a single or something. And so they didn't release it, but you know, clearly if they would have, I think more people would have bought the record because if the people that bought the record end up liking that song a lot, don't you think the opposite would happen too? If people heard the song and really loved it, that they'd buy the record. And I just feel like that's, yeah, maybe that's the example. If they're just a bunch of guys in suits trying to pick what the single is. And I'm sure that's not as easy a game as we maybe think it is, but it does seem like they miss fairly often where you're like, and they had a test. They had like a litmus test, you know, they, they, right. Like, That's the weird part to me is like, just push it next. Yeah. Be like, oh, wait, this people, people are really responding like this. to this. <laughs> well, and look at like, there is a precedent. Like, if you want to talk about the Christian to, well, I mean, first of all, it happens with Christian to pop. It also happens with, um, with country to pop a lot of times that like something's a, a single on a pop kind of situation or country kind of thing. And then they're like, hey, that did well enough. We could actually push, push that to pop radio right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like I can only imagine is an example of something that was in the charts for forever because first it was like contemporary Christian and then they eventually pushed it to pop and it was like it charted for a couple years yep. or something because of that. So um, I agree. Like once you see that it's successful, uh, but maybe who knows? It could have been a band thing too. Yeah. I know that sometimes bands are like, yeah, we don't really want that to be the single. Well, but, uh, uh, I I just sent both of you boys a picture of the Japanese cover art. And I'm going to blame the person who decided not to release it as a single on that artwork as well. Like the same <laughs> person chose. Oh, yeah, we're just going to say that that was there. That's the cover? That is the Japanese cover. That's what you call god-awful uh, artwork. Like that is horrific. It's really bad. Not even we're a good picture. We're going to put that in the show notes uh, for sure. It's it's very bad. It's it's not a great picture. The I mean, I, I'm not a graphic designer, but you know, usually when you choose the f- color of the font, you try to get something that a human being can read <laughs> over the top of the picture. It's a, it's a good go-to. Something legible. We would call this Americans with Disabilities Act non-compliance on the web now. By the way, uh, just um, like this would get you sued. It's how about light blue over a plaid it, shirt? It's yeah, terrible. I think it works. Print it. Print print a hundred thousand copies and send it over to Asia. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, that is really bad i did i did want to give you guys a tidbit uh about reliant k blake you might have already known this but chris i don't think i told you this so uh matt Thiessen is the is the reason that i got my first record contract offered to me he gave rep to the guys in audio adrenaline and they uh and and the dudes at Flickr records uh tried to get us signed so what a dude! Yeah, he didn't have to. do No, that. he didn't. So he could, really nice. You might him. say that record label was a was a big house with lots of room. It was a big, lots, big house. Lots of room for Kyle's um, band. You know, I have tried to push to them for years and years that they should make a shirt that says "The house is small" and on the back it says "Nah, I'm just playing. It's big." Um, but you know, that's a real niche. <laughs> real niche. That's real market. niche. Uh, but y- you never, like, you always. When you're when you're in a band, you always give you you always gave your demo out to as many people uh-huh. as you can. But the stories of, of that actually making its way to somebody important were very rare. So th- I think that's a really cool well, story. What was really cool too is that he uh, he asked me permission. He reached out to me and said, "Hey, can I pass it along to these guys?" He knew that I was talking to another label for a really long time, and it was just kind of not really going anywhere. And 
he he so he asked me if he could pass it on he did and it was crazy it took months before they listened to it but he called me one day and was like hey can you talk to these guys they finally listened and um anyway i got i like i was kind of buds for the guy with the guy for a little bit as a matter of fact i got to go hang out with them backstage when they came with good charlotte and simple plan and what's a bummer is this was back you know this is back in 2004 and i lost his number and i lost his contact and I've just never been able to get back in contact with him. It's real, real bummer. But he's been to my house and eaten Taco Bell in my living and obviously, room. <laughs> you, nice. you didn't, wait, hold on. You took him to Bell and not Bueno when he was here? He asked for Bell. That's wrong. <laughs> in my defense, Blake, he asked uh, for Bell. Okay, that's yeah. fair. He wanted a chili cheese That burrito. is in your defense. But you should have... Uh, you can't, I guess you can't get that at Taco Bueno. But the correct answer in that situation, in case it comes like up again, force is feed no, him we're going to take bueno. a superior place called Taco Bueno. <laughs> yeah. As we did <laughs> with any bands his, that we brought into Oklahoma. Into beautiful mouth. You eat this. <laughs> no, there will be no, there will be no Taco Bell. And you we eat have, this, Matthew. <laughs> and Chris and I have, we have turned on many a band to the Taco Bueno yeah. through the years. Okay. So it is, it's like our own little proselytization uh, guys i think the three of us are in agreement uh, here like no well that's no, interesting no none of us here think that bell is superior to bueno no 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 one no here. way uh and if you if you do not know what we're talking about because you're not from oklahoma or texas uh if you are around oklahoma or texas sometime you should try taco bueno it is a far superior fast food tex-mex place hey can i can i put out a disclaimer on that real quick blake like it's a far superior product uh not wonderful service yeah it depends on the one you go to okay i'll accept that in my opinion just if they've got a good manager they're good if they don't they're not but, we'll work uh, on a list for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get a list of go tos. Yeah. There's not get, a lot yeah. in they they, they ha, apparently there was a few in Austin, but they've all closed down now, so they're kind of hard to come by down where I'm at. But oh. but you're gonna want to get a muchaco, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what oh, you yeah. want to get or a Mexi party dip burrito, yeah, Mexi dips and chips. Don't you eat the bowl? just yeah, you eat the bowl. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Eat the bowl. Yep, it comes you in. Dip a chip the party bowl. burrito in the queso. So good. Uh, one other wonder where you went wrong. In life. <laughs> <laughs> the one other tidbit I found was that uh, Mark Lee Townsend. The other connection is that his daughter was married to Matt Hoops, the other oh. Matt in the band, but is not anymore. But oh. so that's the other connection why they did records with him. Okay, kind of over and over again. I don't know if that is, is that still going still on. Be the case, but uh, working with your ex father in law might be difficult, mm-hmm. but. Uh, shall we go to first impressions and whatnot? I know we kind of touched on them, but I feel like we need to expand on them. So I feel like we should go to Kyle first for first impressions because uh, he was already a pretty big Reliant K fan when this came out, and Chris and I were a little more uh, skeptical, Yeah, maybe we'll say, or on the fence, something like that. So anyway, Kyle, you go ahead. Tell us your introduction to this record because we know you already liked the band. So I was, I was, I mean, this is definitely one that I got the day it came out i may have even gotten an advanced copy of this one i don't remember but i was in from day one i i I loved it and i and i'd been a fan of this band for a long time um and at the same time i can say that probably the things that turned you guys off to them were not like my favorite things about them i remember they had this song about like marilyn manson eating their girlfriend or something and it was just not not a good song um and it's a bad move but um 
I I always enjoyed their music, and um and for me when I first heard this, I was like, holy crap! Like this is it, next level. Here they they're about to explode. So, Chris, let's go to you because I think that you and I are pretty similar. So tell me your introduction to the record and maybe why you were on the fence about them before. Yeah, it was it was pretty cheesy, like straight up contemporary Christian pop punk and like their lyrics were really goofy and that just wasn't something i was into um uh, and i just didn't think of them as a good band i just thought that you know they were i thought they like kind of filled a niche for people that were like you know like like there was like mxpx which is a little tougher christian punk rock and then this was for like like a little lighter touch um yeah and then my buddy kyle shaline of course. Who gets mentioned on like every episode. Oh, yeah. Well, Kyle's <laughs> he dad, should be on this podcast. He should, yeah. <laughs> Kyle's dad worked for Mardell, which is a Christian bookstore, if you don't know, um, in, in the Midwest. Well, they're probably all over the country now. So he always got like these advanced records and he would just listen to them. And he's like, dude, you have to listen to this. And I was like, okay. And we were about to go record our EP actually um, in Berkeley, California. Like uh, the timing's right about there where – I was listening to this record constantly while we were while we were making our record, and I mean, I would literally just take walks and listen to this record over and over again because I thought it was so good, and I was just blown the freak away by how incredible the musicianship was and the songwriting, and um, and it was like a straight up punk rock record. It had some like dark songs and minor verses, and um, it was. Yeah, it was an incredible record. And there's like a zillion songs on it too, and they're all great. So um, yeah, I was, I'm was i glad I gave them a chance, but I, I don't know that I would have been able to ignore it. Eventually somebody would have come to me and shooken me, shaken me and been like, you have to listen to this. It's really good. Yeah, mine's basically the exact same thing. I just, it was kind of sticky for me. I just didn't love it yeah. before. And then, yeah, it was Kyle to you, Kyle Shaline to you, to me. Is kind of how that happened, and I was like, "Yep, you're right." This album—I mean, there are a handful of bands that I've done that with, and where yeah. I've been just like, didn't like the band. And honestly, I didn't like hate this band or anything like that. I just didn't. It wasn't something I cared about. Yeah, it just wasn't your thing. It just wasn't my thing. That. It wasn't like I loathed them. We talked about Death Death Cab last week. How I just really did not like that stuff that came out before uh, Transatlanticism, but. Uh, this was just like I was more indifferent, and then this was like, okay, yeah, that hit me like a truck. This this album is really, really good, really good musicianship, really great songwriting, and, and I felt like, you know, sh- kind of maybe smoothed the edges of those the lyric kind of thing that we were talking about. He still has that quality to him where he's doing kind of playing with words mm-hmm. and fun stuff like that, but without it being... Um, he, he gets really good like at it. Stick, you know. <laughs> Blink-22 yeah. did, did the same thing between Dude Ranch and Enema of the State, in my opinion. It was kind of like, a, oh, okay, it was like, I wouldn't call it like, like, oh, I'm mature now. But it was like a maturing of being a lyricist, if that makes sense. I think but it was the, like a light switch, just... <clears throat> yeah. Try to snap in the mic. Yeah, that's a go. light switch. Um, yeah. That's the sound that a light Whoa, switch did makes. You That'd switch be really a light? annoying if every light switch you had made that I noise, did, actually. Yes, that's the sound. I've got a Foley artist back here. His name is Thomas... <laughs> Oh, Foley. come up with the last name. Oh, that would have been good. God, why did it? Well, So, yeah, so, I mean, I think Chris and I were, yeah, in the same boat. But, yeah, this album definitely knocked our socks off, and they continued to do so for me, at least. Um, so, Spoilers. Um, they, yeah, flipped a switch and, and 
yeah, spoiler alert, I like their other stuff too uh, that came out after this. So um, I guess, I mean, do we have any other kind of first impressions about the record other than we liked it and uh, should, we should go track by track or do you guys have anything more to say about this area of the podcast? Well, let's get into it, man. No, I will take your silence as a, as a cue to go to the next thing. So uh, let's kick it off. Let's go to the one I'm waiting for. I mean, Kyle, you mentioned it just a second ago, but the every single drum part on this song is fantastic. He's freaking drumming. It's like it just every part of it. He's all over the place and I love it. Uh Chris, what are your thoughts on track one? Did it kick you in the butt the first time yeah, you heard this? And you were like, Oh like, yeah, this like, is different. I I feel like my mouth was probably just like, Oh, <laughs> what is this? Like it you know, you like they whip whipping out the forbidden beat right away. Right off drums the drums are all over the place like the bass is just big beefy meaty and and it all sounds so great together um and then and you get kind of introduced to this style of song that plays throughout the record where you've got these big giant verses and choruses and then these like quiet beautiful melodies and um yeah the drums this was a song that i like tried to play a lot never quite could get right but i it it was a very fun song to try to play on the drums because it's a incredible uh drum uh craftsmanship i would say so kyle right off the bat you listen to this thing and you are as someone that's already a reliant k fan like what is going through your head on track one of this record i mean because it's different right so yeah so okay i would uh and you know I guess I'm afraid to I'm afraid to talk down on them because I always like their music, but man, like if if you're if if this is Dr Pepper, everything before this was Dr Thunder. You know what I mean? Like th- this is the real deal, <laughs> and <laughs> this is the real deal. This is the one they make with the cane sugar yes. down in Texas. Yeah, yes, this is the real good stuff. And and like. It, Doctor, I mean, this was re- this is real, and like the quality, the way that it sounds, um, the way that he is playing the crap out of those drums, and and also just this the intro to this, like the heavy guitar, like Chris says, the forbidden beat, and the guitar tones sound good, and I think even just the tone of of how he's singing, I think you mentioned it earlier, Blake, like he kind of he was he stumbled into being a great lyricist he started off with not being afraid to be cheesy and like on this record really came into that honing that craft and being really good i freaking love the uh i guess the pre-chorus the fall back on all of your premonitions and just learn to listen to those have more wisdom than you and stop putting so much stock in all of this stuff live your life for those that you love like i i remember hearing that and then like and then the chorus comes in and freaking rocks and you're just like I remember being blown away. Like they're a real band now. 
this is Dr. Pepper. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Everything before this was not as it was I good. Think you're right. I think it just wasn't as good. Yeah, I think I think what I I think you hit the nail on the head kind of by it seemed like they were it was a fun goofy thing before and this was like no we're a real band mm-hmm. and like I'm really writing songs and these lyrics really mean something and I feel like he got like a ton better as a vocalist on this record too. Oh, yeah. Like he's got some real awesome dynamic range to his voice and I feel like we weren't highlighting that in the previous Reliant K yeah. stuff that we heard and I think that the biggest thing that helps with this album, which we, we hear on a lot of the songs is this like, not afraid to be like, Oh, and then we're going to go to piano and falsetto for the bridge yep. and like totally chill it out and then come back in. Or maybe we'll end it like that. Or like, it feels very opusy. Like it's like, it, oh, yeah. it feels like a journey where like all these songs are taking us on. I just feel like and there wasn't room for that before. Cause they were kind of yeah. this fun. They just weren't doing that. And, uh, and maybe he always had that in him, but I, I he's pretty young. I mean, he's yeah. only a year older than I am. So when this album comes out, he's like 22, 23 or something. And uh, and so, like, it's pretty young uh, to be figuring out your craft still and stuff. And I think yeah. this is really where he figures out. I think they figure out what their sound is, yeah. really. And then he as a songwriter, obviously, just gets, I think, quite a bit better at this maybe, point. So, And maybe just having, like, a good producer to just pull it out of him and be like honest with them and let him be vulnerable and, and honest with this songwriting. Be like, Hey, you can do this, man. Like you, you want to do these cool opacy things. That word is in my notes like 17 times, by the way, Blake Opus. Really? <laughs> Cause that is really funny song, because that's what it feels like. It almost feels like a rock. Like it almost feels like it almost is trying to be a rock opera sometimes. And yeah. I mean that in a positive way. I, um, yeah, I uh, totally agree. Cause like it, it, when you're making music, like, you know, sometimes you you feel like you want to challenge yourself, but you almost feel like everybody's going to laugh at you. Like, well, I can't really do this. I can't write songs like this. Maybe somebody was just like, dude, you can. You're really good. Because yeah. <laughs> he clearly had it in him. Yeah, and maybe he had, maybe it was just one, I mean, like I said, pure speculation, as I say on almost every podcast, but it's like, you know, maybe you come with one idea that's a little out there and it just took like the producer going like, yes, I love that. Do more Keep of it that. Coming. You know, I don't yep, know. if yep, yep. Who knows what it was, but there was clearly something that changed on on this record and the first track is a good example of um of <laughs> they've really come out swinging and you're like okay like we're like this is a new thing like and i think that it it only took this song for me to be like okay i'm giving this like not just a chance like i'm actually excited about listening to the rest of this record yeah. after l- listening to this song so i'm glad that people convinced me uh that maybe i was wrong about stuff that's fine with me it's a good thing to to do uh, let's go to track two, which is Be My Escape. I've been housing all this doubt and insecurity. I've been locked inside that house. All the while you hold the key, I've been dying to get out. And that might be the death of me. And even though there's no way of knowing where to go, I promise I'm going because I gotta get out of here. I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake. Is this the first single, Kyle? It is. Off this record? Yeah. Pretty good one, I'd say. <laughs> they did all right. I remember the video. It was... Yeah. Yeah. They did, they did all right. It sold them 800,000 copies yeah. eventually. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on Be My Escape? Uh, 
you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of like the minor minor chord into the big major chorus. It's always been a big thing this for is, me. This a lot is of the dynamics. song. <laughs> this is the song that at the live time I saw them, he didn't have the sound guy did not have the guitar on <sighs> for the opening of this song. What? So what happened? Just silence? <laughs> no, you could hear the amp, but it wasn't coming through the mains. Oh, it was like they had played an acoustic song before it and then, you know, came back up. And I'm like, you got a touring sound guy. How in the world does this guy not know the set list at this point? Picked a, you... picked a whole bouquet of oopsie daisies there, huh? Whoopsie. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Just, it's not there. And they had like built into it too. It was like a big swell or something. And then ding, 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 ding. And it was just, you could hear the amp somewhere on stage, but not, I was like, God, how could you have, that's a fireable offense for a sound guy yeah. that's on tour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I love the humanity and spirituality of this record too, um, because he, he is talking to God a lot in this record. Yeah. But he's it's not on the nose. It's not like like, you know, it's very uh, it's personal and also like it's not like I said it's it, it, you have to kind of read in between the lines, but uh, I don't know. I just think it's really pretty the way he did it. It's it's uh it feels real <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, so and I not think that preachy cool. is what I would that's say. A, yeah, I think that's it, a, kind of what I was getting at too. It yeah, feels you, personal. You said it better. Yeah. Kyle, thoughts on uh, Be My Escape. So my exact note is that it's uh it's authentic. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It doesn't feel like he's selling anything. He's just actually writing a song about how he feels. And I remember, I, I actually remember being excited about, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that like, this is ambiguous, the song, but you know, like you could listen to this and be like, he's talking to a girl. And, and like, absolutely, and not in a, again, not in a gimmicky way, not like he tried to write this song that this person could hear this or this person could hear this. He, he wrote, he wrote a song that, uh, that I think he, that, that he was being sincere. And that to me resonates in songs more than anything. Like you can write about whatever you want, but if you don't mean it, I feel like, I, I guess I just, I feel like people will connect to something that you really connect to or they won't if you're faking it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what I think. And um I I love uh I love the chorus on this one. I love the bridge on this one. Um and I love the little the little falsetto at the beginning of the of the chorus. It's it's a kick butt song. Falsetto's great. I, I think he's got one of my favorite falsetto voices when he does it. Uh, the bass in the bridge specifically is just rocks my world. I mean, that's <laughs> such a great... Yeah, that's dude. exactly <laughs> what it sounds like, what Chris just did with his mouth. It's Yeah, there's a lot going on in the song, and I like it. And I, I think it's actually a little bit... Um, uh, I don't know. It's just like they're kind of... You could play parts of these songs like side by side and you might be like, Oh, those are from the same song. Like it could be. And the bridge is kind of like that on this. It's uh, the bridge and the intro are always like very minory, but like the verses and choruses are not, you know, but that's a cool kind of friction that's there that I like. Uh, and I think that certainly made this more interesting. Like that's the other thing about like this album is just more interesting than I think the stuff yeah. that came before it too. Uh, yep. It makes me like want to listen to it again and over and, and like really listen to it, put headphones on and like analyze it and stuff. There's just a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, and he's clearly, 
he's clearly a very good musician. Like, you know, as we go on to these other records that they do, he's playing like a lot, all sorts of crazy instruments on it. And this is kind of the start of that with, there's some banjo and some various things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a good, good single, I would say. And, uh, I always kind of like the single at track two. It's kind of a good spot for a, a single, in my opinion, hit them hard with track one, yep. bring in the single on track two. And Amen. then, uh, you've got them hooked. It's a good way to do it. Um, let's go to high of 75. There's a cold frost sweeping in over my eye And we might wake up if I don't wake up to the sun Because on and off the clouds have fought for control over the sky And lately the weather has been so bipolar and consequently so Can you, how can you not smile when listening to that first chorus come in with like the 808 drums in the back and all those background vocals? Like, I just, you have to smile. I don't understand how you couldn't. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, Hive 75 other than it better have something to do with smiling? Uh, yeah, definitely smiling. And also, uh, I, I freaking love, ha- like, I love the juxtaposition of like the 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 punk rock verse and it is like I mean it it's about as hello goodbye as it, as they get you know uh on the chorus of this yeah and yeah. It is, and and it's just such a freaking it rocks and then it just feels good it hits you in all the feels on this one and um and yeah I mean I'm smiling I'm I'm loving it this is a great song um and I think they're so stupid that they didn't, or the label is so stupid that they didn't try and push this. this is, it just makes you feel good <laughs> yeah. when you hear it. Yeah, I I think it could have been the difference uh, maker. Good. Could this have been what pushed them to platinum? It's hard to know. I mean, the other. I mean, it's not. Be my escape is a great single too. Yeah. Like I'm not. But I think it, this could have been a single. But maybe it was. It is probably the poppiest tune on the record yeah and so maybe it was them too that was like uh we'd rather i don't know you know that can be complicated i'm sure i mean i don't think anyone heard this song and was like mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sure it's track three it's obviously like you know it's like it's not buried in the song in the in the album tracks it's like they clearly pushed it to christian radio at one point so they knew it was like good in some respect so they must have had some it's got to be some reason that they didn't push it as a single to to mainstream radio, but I don't know. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on, on the, uh, the tune? Oh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I will never, ever not think of this song when I look at the weather and see that the forecast is <laughs> sunny with a high of 75. I mean, I will be a 70 year old man. And I'll be like, Oh, just like that song. <laughs> I mean, like it's like burnt in my brain forever. And it, always makes me like so happy when I hear this tune. It's I, I was just looking on my iTunes. It's like my 42nd most ever played song. I mean, I play it all the time. Um, it's, uh, it's just, just fantastic. It's so, so uplifting and happy and just makes you want to get in your car, roll down the windows and drive around. So, uh, yeah, I, so I guess this record had two singles, be my escape and who I am. Hates who I've been. And that's all Wikipedia lists as singles. Yep. 
Is that right, That's Kyle? It. Does that seem right? I mean, but you're saying Hive 75 was just Christian only. It was okay. a Christian only single. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, right, yeah. So if you weren't listening to the Christian radio, you did not hear it. Sorry. Um, shall we go to I hate, I so hate consequences? I so hate them. Here we go. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough. Like, I mean, I really could do a minute and a half clips on all these because I really wanted to capture no. the dynamics going on in this you song. Did, but good there, you got three parts. Yeah, you right got there, I tried to get as many parts as I could. Uh, but I love that it goes into that like piano and cello thing, mm. and his voice goes from being this like growly thing in in that part, kind of like the most aggressive vocal we hear probably on this record, and then goes to this really pretty falsetto-y version of, I don't know, I just, I like the dynamics of his vocals, I like the dynamics of the instrumentation, and that they were like, hey, in the middle of this pretty crazy, upbeat punk rock song, we're gonna go to a piano and cello bridge, and um, and then we're gonna come back into this. And it's gonna and work. I don't even know how you'd figure that out most of the time. It's gonna work well. Yeah, it's not gonna feel like a train wreck, it's not gonna have some awkward transition, it's gonna work really well. Um, and I, I'm kudos to him that's uh it's really i would say that was a first for me i don't know that i heard a band that did that within single songs very often yeah. i mean punk rock bands always had these like maybe you know here's the ballad track kind of thing i mean as ballady as a as a punk rock yeah. band's gonna get or something but this was like he was kind of doing it all within the confines of one four minute song or whatever um pretty cool chris what are your thoughts on i so hate consequences do you also hate consequences i love them <laughs> uh <laughs> one my of my children. favorite things yes uh comes in radical good old call and answer um i don't know how this guy pulls these lyrics out of his butt red extinguishes the hope that the green ignites he's talking about a stoplight mm. um that's crazy um i feel like there was some like maybe I'll wink and a nod to Blink-182 where he says, uh, no idea where my yed was at. Am I the only one that, that uh, maybe other people say yed instead of <laughs> I, I couldn't help but hear that. Um, I hadn't caught then, that, uh, but that's okay. probably fair. Um, and then as I have to say, uh, as, as a father, um, the, uh, the line, um, and when the doors were closed, uh. I heard no, I told you so. Oh my God. <laughs> God, it almost makes me cry. Like, seriously, I get a little emotional thinking about it because, like, that, like, you just think about, like, all the, you know, that's love mm. right there. Like, when when somebody comes back to you and, like, hey, I really screwed up and, and you go, hey, just come here. It's all right. Um, is this, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn this because you guys are better at this than me, but but could this, could could the orchestral uh, Quiet Bridge be a Sacred Heart song? I so hate, con- I feel like I see JD, like, looking at a patient and I so hate consequences. I think it could be. I know be. that I let you down. I think just I think for consistency, no, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no, I definitely, I could see that. I could see JD. I could see John Dorian talking over that. 
But yeah, I love it could song. happen. Yeah. It could happen. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, I So Hate Consequences? Uh, Chris, I mean, Chris read mine. Mine was about all about that lyric. That is just one of the greatest lines oh, good, good. on this record. And, and also, like, mm. what I think is one of my favorite things about this record is they're coming out of being this, you know, probably I think it's fair to say, I don't know if it's pigeonholed because they chose to be this Christian band. Right. But they're coming out of this Christian scene and this is their first mainstream record. And like, it's, it's, it's so weird to me because I don't, I don't really care what you believe. These words are so well written that like forgiveness on that level has to appeal to anyone. I don't, I don't care what the source material is, right? Like what he's saying is, is powerful. When the doors were closed, I heard, no, I told, told you so. It's like, that is a beautiful line. I don't care what the motivation was. I don't care what you believe like that has to resonate with people. Um, anyway, it's just like, this is definitely one, like that's one of those lines that you hear and you're just like, Holy crap, that's really good. I'm jealous that I, Never wrote anything a fraction. Well, I guess technically a fraction is good to that, but nowhere close. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I really, I think that uh, I had the same note about, I mean, I think a lot of his lyrics are really good on this record, but yeah, that bridge is is really uh, quite good. Um, it gets topped by himself at other points for me, but like, it's just really good. And uh, And you're right, it seems authentic is the best word mm. for it. Kyle, I think you're right. It's like, it doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel like he's like, oh, here's the thing I wanted to write about. And then I'm going to try to fit. Uh, I don't know how it, it's like, I can tell this is like a real mm-hmm. experience for him. And uh, I just think it comes through when people do that. I would rather have, I'm with you, Kyle. I, I don't know that like, I think sometimes when people fake it, uh, I can fall for it in, in a fine way. <laughs> like, uh, and it's okay, it, but it, it does depend on the subject matter. But if you're trying to be serious about something, like you're right, I feel like when I know you feel it, it makes the a huge difference. And I feel like you can just tell that with some lyric like this, which is why something like this isn't going to be probably a single. You know, it's like very rarely is a radio single going to have maybe that kind of deep of a lyrical content. It just doesn't happen as much because they kind of wanted to be sing alongable and fun and whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, does a great job on this one. Uh, let's go to this one's really funny, guys. I'm about to send you a screenshot of it uh, because it literally doesn't fit on the thing I'm playing the clips through because it's so long. So the oh, only yeah. thing worse than beating a dead horse is betting on one. Here we go. <laughs> And look, we're not just featuring the forbidden beat as like, a, oh, we're opening it with track one, then we're never going to use it again. They're like, nope, we got it peppered throughout this whole record. Yep, it's yep, coming at you that hard. Life. Uh, man, he writes a lot of lyrics mm. too. Mm. Yes, this is wordy about that. Every one of these lyrics looks on this album. Like, 
<laughs> it's very wordy. Um, but not in an obnoxious way or something. I'm just like, man, like you could dial it back and save some. You wouldn't have to write as many if you just uh, paced yourself, maybe. But I but appreciate yeah, that he's going for it. They tell him like, hey, you're going to be singing these songs when you're 45, man. You you want to maybe cut down a little bit so you can save yourself some breath. <laughs> you're going to need the cheat sheet in front of you down here, the computer monitor. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on? I'm not going to say the title again, but uh, what are your thoughts on this track? Uh, it rocks, and I think although it's wordy, again, it's he's just showcasing this like this skill, this wonderful skill that he has. Uh, opinions are immunity to being told you're wrong. Like that is just a killer line, and and also I meant to say this on the last track, and. I kind of, I mean, high of 75 is just like good medicine for anyone, right? Like it's going to make you smile. But like these last two songs, it's weird how relevant they are now. And, and I don't know if that's a byproduct of like, or uh, of like stopping, stop writing about Marilyn Manson and stuff like that. And like being serious. Uh, And when you write things that, that mean something that lasts, or, or like, I, I don't know, but it was weird. I, when I listened to this record over the last couple of weeks, it was, it was amazing to me how much of it felt relevant subject matter, you know? Um, th- this one is a great one in the song before both. So anyway. I think you're right, Kyle. I think but that also stands to, it kind of stands as a testament to like, hey, when you write about things that are real, First of all, these are generally things that people feel all the time. Yeah, they last. They're not like <laughs> specific to 2004. People might feel like this today. But you're right. The opinions, that that opinions line is is perfect. I wrote it down too. So good. And I, it's, it's perfectly uh, useful now because uh, you all know my least favorite thing is when people pretend their opinions are facts <laughs> and they're, and they're facts. not. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's different. That's actually an opinion. Uh, and I love that part in inside out where they mix, they, they knock over the boxes of facts and opinions and mix them all up and put them back. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> I think it's one of the most genius parts in a Pixar movie. Uh, and this reminds me of that. And I love it. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on track five? That's what we're calling it now. Yeah. You guys nailed it. Definitely. Uh, this song is feels inspired by no effects uh, very much. So even the harmonies are sound like Mike and uh, um, Melvin singing together. I love when you get that forbidden beat and you just bring it back in. I'm with Blake on that one. Like, Hey, let's do that again. That was fun. <laughs> I read a tidbit that I guess uh, at one point, Matt hoops did not like singing. And I guess uh, Tyson was like, no dude, you got a good voice and stuff and kind of, encouraged him to um you know sing more yeah Yeah. which because the and i think you can hear it on this right i mean you can hear a lot of background vocals or you know hoops and i think i love when two different people sing on a record i oh yeah he sounds great it gets boring when it's the lead singer just stacked all the time and they do that too i mean i'm not saying they don't do it all the time right they go back and forth a little yeah i love in a band when you can have the background vocals be the actual guy that sings those background vocals on stage if and i just think like voices blending together is always better than one voice stacked on top of it but um it's not like I hate it when people do that. Like Freddie Mercury freaking made a <laughs> like a whole thing out of doing that. And and I love it. But of course, to be fair, who could possibly sing with Freddie Mercury and sound good? Um, but in this case, I love it. I love the hoops, background vocals on, on this record. And this is a good example of a track where you can really hear it. It's not. Uh, and I love it. I think it's great. Um, 
Shall we go to my girl's ex-boyfriend? Yes, please. Shall we? Here we go. So then along comes me, this undeserving mess. Who would believe my life would be so blessed? Kyle, thoughts on my girl's ex-boyfriend, the song, not my girl's actual ex-boyfriend. Okay, okay. I got confused. So I'm, I've am i got kind of a weird note, but I think you dudes are going to know where I'm coming from on this. So aside from the way that the piano sounds on this track, you could take Matt Thiessen's voice out of this, and this is a Blink-182 song. Like That bass tone is a Mark Hoppus bass tone. Like It sounds like freaking Blink-182 in the best possible way. Um, and I, I mean, obviously yeah. his voice is not the same as those guys. So it's just like, it, it's, I, I mean, I guess it's, in, it's gotta be inspired, right? But it, it's awesome. It sounds so good. And I think it's another thing that just added. Who, who wasn't? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's, I just think it's another thing that added to the, the validity of like this record and them being like a real band, like, holy crap, this sounds huge. This sounds great. Um, also really freaking clever song. Uh, another one that makes me smile like high of 75 and, uh, and like, it's kind of like, um, like Schadenfreude in the form of a song, right? Like it's <laughs> like taking joy in someone else's pain. Uh, I love, I love right. the, right. I love the, uh, I love the, um, I got the girl, but he's left with just a memory line. That is just awesome. So great song. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, you guys, uh, Kyle covered the musicality, <laughs> the musicianship, obviously great, but yeah, the the lyrics are really interesting on this song. I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, every time I hear this song, I get really bummed out for this other guy. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what if, what if he, like, what if they just weren't compatible, Matthew? Maybe, you know, is it really like world ending for him? Maybe he found somebody else he likes. I don't know, man. It's kind of depressing to think that he gave up his whole world. Although, do you guys know who he was dating at this time? No, but I mean, this doesn't think- sound this doesn't sound like a just like, oh, some guy that my girl used to date. This sounds more of like a, I mean, it has the line about the wake of the mess and all that kind of stuff. Like it sounds well, like it was like a not a good thing that uh, right, right, <laughs> happened before he came along. I I know I think around this time he was dating Katy Perry who was not anywhere near famous yet, but I was wondering oh, if he was writing the right. song about her. Or Kate, about her Kate Hudson. Oh. Is it possible that the... I'm sure it is. <laughs> was that really her name? Yeah. Yeah, she changed her name, yeah. Her real name? I didn't know that. I just know yeah, he even He even wrote some songs. Pretty. He even wrote some songs for Yeah, he her, did. She's her. pretty all right. Well, th- I knew he dated her, but I didn't know... She's definitely all right. Yeah, she uh, she did all right in the old music biz. Yeah, she's in she's the doing biz, okay. The biz of music. <laughs> yeah, I like the song. I I it's not my favorite on the record, just yeah, because yeah, it yeah. feels a little bit more like the old Reliant K mm-hmm. um, in some ways. Um, but I still like it fine. But it doesn't make me as happy as High of Seventy Five. I'll, I'll go at least that far to say that it doesn't make me that happy. But I like it. It's fine. 
that's all I got. All right. <laughs> on this one so let's go to like more it. than useless we've got a lot of songs to go yeah, so that's we do. fine we're not, even halfway, we're not even halfway there here we go more than useless I love that pre-chorus so much. Oh, so I good. just those guitars are fantastic, and um, I just I love it. I just this song is really really good. Um, if the last song is a Blink One Eight Two song, who do you all think I have written down that this song sounds like? Oh, no guesses. I have no Slipknot. Idea. I was gonna say Motion City soundtrack. Oh, oh yeah, it's even got the synth <laughs> on the. <laughs> It's got the synth on that post-chorus, and it just it feels like uh, it, the drumming feels like Motion City soundtrack to me, like in, in the best way. Like in no way do I think they're ripping them off, but it does very much feel like inspired, yeah. a little bit by Motion City soundtrack, which is fine because I think more people should be inf- inspired by Motion City soundtrack. They're one of my favorite yes. bands. Yep, I agree. Uh, I, I will continually shout from the rooftops and this podcast that I think Motion City tra- soundtrack is a criminally underrated band from this genre. On tour. Spring of 2021. What? We already got our tickets. We all got our tickets for February 8th, 2022 to go see Motion City Soundtrack play Commit This to Memory uh, front to back and I'm sure some other stuff too. Uh, so we're excited. We've got tickets for almost a year from now. <laughs> we're going oh to drive down to Austin and hang out with Chris. Maybe we'll do a Motion City Soundtrack podcast Ooh, in Austin while we're going to the show. Uh, you can wait for that in February of 2022. Something to uh, look Kyle, what to. are your thoughts on More Than Useless? Um. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I I love it, and really, like one of the only notes I had. I am just a big fan of what I call the uh, eternal snare drum fill, like that's just beating along. You know, like it's just building, and you're like, yeah, 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 we're going somewhere, and uh, and they do. Uh, but yeah, I I, I like this song a, a lot, and and the pre-chorus is. I think I like the pre-chorus more than the chorus, but uh, it's a freaking awesome song. Chris, what are your thoughts? Are you got what what you, is the pre-chorus do you guys like the part where the rhythm like the rhythm gives space to the guitars? The yes, the sometimes oh, okay, I think yes, that I'm yes. not even good at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, this song's so positive too. It's so it, like it's very uplifting. It's uh um yeah, I, I, yeah, you guys, you guys hit it. Very positive, uplifting lyrics. I think the reason his lyrics hit so well on this record, and this is a good song to bring it up on, is that he's like authentic and talking about whatever struggles or things he's bummed out by or whatever. But never, but always in a way that's very like um, light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. kind of ish. And he and he does that throughout the records that come after this too. I feel like he does a really good job of being like. Hey, you know, this is a problem, but here's a solution or here's the way I'm thinking about it or something like that. And so it's authentic, but it's also like relatable and it's not, and it's not, um, just like, uh, down in the dumps, you know, and generally emo has this like, you know, sort of like 
so much of it's about whining. You know, that's what people think about. They're like people right. whining about girls that broke their hearts yes. and stuff like that. And I feel like this is not that. This is like it's not. This is like, oh, here's something. Like I said, like, it's just it's really good. Like I'm more than useless. That's a great. Like people feel useless all the time. But this is a great. Like I don't know. It just it, it does a really good job at, at it's hard at balancing to, that. It's hard to to like pick a theme for your songs that isn't like so, so tongue in cheek. Like just t- singing about girls all the time. There's only a few bands that that are able to move away from that. Um, so props to them. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on more than useless fellas before we uh, move on to the back half of the album? Mm-hmm. We're officially mm-hmm. to track eight at this point. Um, all right. So this one is which <laughs> to bury us or the hatchet. Here we go. No, I don't hate you. Don't want to fight you. No, I'll always love you. But right now I just don't like you. Cause you took this too far. thoughts on uh, track eight how, how do you get like this many like it so many different ideas in into all of these songs like any one of these ideas would be like the best song i ever wrote and he just like hides them and the outro of this song oh. is phenomenal i'm sure you guys are going to talk about how it seamlessly yes. blends into the next song and um i don't know man he freaking musical genius matthew Thiessen. Yeah, so uh, Kyle, why don't you go first, and then I'll talk. I'll, I'll give my opinion. So you tell us your opinions on this track first. I mean, I agree with my birthday buddy. Uh, the outro kicks so much butt. We just heard some freaking Kermit the Frog level banjo playing, and um, I I really <laughs> I I was mimicking it. I was thinking <laughs> yeah. more. I was thinking more um, Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw Steve. Kermit the Frog works too. Um, so. There are there are four songs on this record, uh, and and they're separated, but like that go back to back. That really could be two songs, and this is the start of the first one grouping of those. Uh, this song into the next song is just seamless and so good, uh, because we've got a lot more. And Blake, you've got some things to say. I'll, I'll just say this: as far as this this front half. I freaking love the uh, the lyric and wisdom always chooses these black eyes and these bruises over the heartache that they say never completely goes away. Really like that. And I love the way he sings it. Um, and I love how it seamlessly goes into the next song. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, this is another good example because I think this is three songs in a row where the lyrics are, you know, you could take this and it could be a typical... Um, we broke up or whatever the song's actually about, like, and I'm mad at you song. And it could be that, but he chooses to go the route of like, obviously this is not a relationship that went well. I don't know any of the context, but I mean, like, I love the lyric about the memories that you select, you keep the bad, but the good you just forget. And then it goes on to like, yeah, but I don't hate you. I don't want to fight you. And like, I just think that's like a mature, a way to do it. And a, and a great example of like, Hey, like you can have problems with people and you don't, that doesn't mean you can't forgive them or that you have to have some sort of grudge or talk crap about them behind their back. I just feel like it's a, it's, 
it's good. And I know that their target demographic is like teenagers. I mean, it's like teenage kids for the most part. Uh, they're listening to this stuff. And I just think that that's a, it sounds like such an old man thing to say now that I'm nearing 40, but it like, it is a, like, I, I would be encouraged by like my kid listening to these lyrics just because it would yep. be like, all right, like, yeah, life sucks sometimes, or you have relationships that go the wrong way. But like, even in writing this song, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't hate you. Like, this is not that kind of situation or whatever. And then moving into the next song. Yeah. They'll like, let it all out. I mean, it's like a perfect bookend. Uh, and I do agree. That's where we start feeling very opacy. Hmm. Opacy is a new ad adjective that we're using. <laughs> to describe uh, music uh, like uh, Matthew Teeson's. And uh, so is it Teeson? 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 Teeson. I think it's Teeson, right? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm Matty T. I feel like I'm butchering people's names. So, um, well, then that brings us... Oh, by the way, banjo. Let's talk about the banjo for a second. I love it. I have oh, not... so good. The only two songs that I had heard, like rock songs with banjo, were this and Matchbox 20's Unwell. That song had a banjo, like oh, yeah, that's right. lead part, and I loved it. I love. I was like, why don't people put banjos? Like, it cuts through the mix so well. I like. I really like it in rock songs. It actually works really well as long as you don't like um, strum it like I'm, I don't know. Like, you can do the wrong rhythm, but when you do this kind of simple arpeggiating, like they do on that post-chorus thing. It's awesome, and I love it. And I feel like every time I hear a band do it like that, I'm like, I like it. And I don't, but so I don't know why more people don't do it. I literally just stole it and did it on one of my records because of these two songs. This song and that Matchbox 20 song. I was like, I'm putting nice. a banjo on this record. Because <laughs> uh, why not? It's fun. And people don't do it enough. It's an underrated uh, instrument, in my opinion. Uh, let's go to Let It All Out that follows this, which really, I agree with Kyle. It really could be just one track. Yeah. Um, I think I thought it. it was one track. Well, you do when you listen to the CD because yeah. they just blend right into each other. But uh, it's technically another track, so we're going to talk about it. Here we go. Best to just forget that that man isn't me. And you said, I know that this will hurt. But if I don't break your heart, then things will just get worse. If the burden seems too much to as per the usual you're air drumming uh so you get to go first dude how like i'm telling you man this guy this guy could write a rock <laughs> opera i know i keep saying that but it he just, should it do just, it I, there's so many parts in this song that just like i i just feel like i could see them on stage like just like you know american idiot or tommy like the yeah. themes and everything the lyrics are so great and and all these different parts go together uh yeah the song is very pretty it's it's a nice, uh, nice little, nice little ballad for the almost the two third points of the record. Yes. Yeah, I'd say we're right solidly in the middle. We're at track uh, nine at this point, so we're about to be into the last third. So yeah, Kyle, what are your thoughts? So little tidbit, I don't know if you guys knew this, but this is pretty freaking cool, and I think adds to their credibility, but. The guy singing the second verse on this track is John Davis from Super Drag. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, and what? Yeah. Nope. Didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty big deal. Um, pretty, pretty. I, I, that gives you some street cred, right? Um, but yeah. 
Chris mentioned it. I mean, it's like super opacy, super um what's the there's there's like another word uh I don't know I, maybe this isn't right but like s- cinematic I I I don't know but um I really really love mm-hmm. the you know, cinematic's the right word cuz it's changing tempos yeah. and things I like it yeah. I I really love the uh the outro to this too the reach out to me part just it's just so pretty you know and 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 you kind of mentioned it uh, on the mm-hmm. the first song of this two song thing uh Blake that it's just kind of like a nice mature way to look at to look at uh a breakup or or you know a friendship ending and and like to even end it on this positive note of like making yourself better even though you're mad at this other person is just it's just so nice and so it's such a pretty song i i, I really love this one so that's it. A question I hadn't brought up until now, but I think it's a good uh, time to bring it up. Did he play piano on the old records before this? I mean, that's how little I listened to the records that came before this. Did he play piano a lot? Or yeah, was I, he, no. So he played piano, but he just didn't play it a lot. I think he just got really good at it around this time. Okay, yeah, because he's pretty good at it. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, a good piano obviously player. all over this record. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of good at all the things. So, um, you know, I'm into the piano in a rock band. I feel like piano is kind of the original rock and roll instrument, and it got kind of pushed by the wayside for too long. But I love how he uses it all over this record, in the rock parts, in the really quiet parts. Um, It's a good instrument. Did he tour with, like, a stand-up piano? Yeah, yeah. He had an upright. I don't know if it was – I don't know if he played a legit upright or if it was, like, an upright with a digital keyboard in it. Yeah. Um, But – but yeah, he had, he did have an upright that he switched back and forth between guitar and that. And um, well, and they had another guitar cool. player, uh, John, that would he played all of these like all of this like ear candy that you hear on this record and the next record. John would play uh, the xylophone. He would play the banjo. All of that stuff live. He'd just have it there next all to the him, okay. and it was it, it, it was really incredible. Yeah, you make this record, and all of a sudden you got to hire yourself a multi instrumentalist <laughs> right. on the road with you. I mean, that's just how it goes, man. It's like, and you know what it drives me nuts is when bands just won't do that. Like, yeah, people won't notice. Um, my no, and not even that. It's like if freaking, I mean, Green Day started touring with seven people on stage mm-hmm. when they did American Idiot because they were like, I mean, we have to, like, you know, like we've got all this stuff, and it was great. No one, I don't think it. Anyone was like. Oh, they can't play all that live by themselves, just the three of them. I don't feel like anyone was. No, I don't know why that guy has like a Texas accent. I know for why. Whatever reason that Green Day fan <laughs> that I just did an impersonation of, but um, you know, like, but it drives me like. And you're right. They had a guy that did all this stuff, and I liked it because you'd miss it without. There's too much of that ear candy on here, and uh, the one I will always bring up and I will never let go is uh, how Coldplay can't manage to just even put one extra musician on stage and just run tracks for everything. And I'm like, it's so lazy. You guys yeah. are like the, one of the biggest bands in the world and you won't hire an extra musician. You too, at least even has one is just under the stage, which yeah. is, you know what I mean? It's like, my goodness, just pay another musician. Don't put it all on tracks. Come on. I don't know. And so congratulations to Ryan K for hiring another musician and being much smaller than Coldplay. Yeah. You did the right thing. Yes. You did it right. Uh, let's go to Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. That's exactly where I lost it. Where I never should have crossed it. 
on who I am hates who I've been. Man, I am still vibing hard on this like this self introspective like how how I can be better. I'm not happy with this and and you mentioned it earlier like still still having like this hopeful twist. I feel like um I feel like there's always been a place for angry music and like lyrics that are mean and cutting and just like ripping someone to pieces because it's kind of fun to watch someone get owned or listen to someone tell someone off. And the fact that like the person that he's trying to correct over these last three songs is himself is, uh, is pretty inspiring, uh, and, and just some wonderful, wonderful lyrics. So, um, it was a single and wasn't it a single? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, yes. it's, it's a great song. It was. And it was a more successful single. And and believe it or not, it charted at like 40 something on the billboard as opposed to 80 on uh, the other single. Yeah. Uh, this one, it was later too. So, I mean, they had like increased in popularity as a band too, to be fair. So, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a single and it was a popular one for them too. Chris, what are your thoughts on this track? Kyle nailed it. I, I, my notes were the exact same thing. It was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like so easy, you know, so, so simple to write a song about how angry you are at somebody, how stupid somebody else is, how much somebody else ruined your life. And like this, this song, he's just like, Hey, it's me. I got to work on me. You know, like, let me talk about that for a little bit and get real with you. Um, and, and then musically, like I, the call and answer that these guys do all throughout this record. And, and they do it again here. See that line. It's exactly where I crossed it. Um, I don't know, man. It's so uh, so hard to do that and make it sound cool. They they freaking pull it off uh, very 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 well. This song's a great example. I feel like songwriters aren't always the best at like admitting when they're wrong or that something was their fault. <laughs> it's really easy for us to yes. like, hey, the other person <laughs> that I'm writing this about is not going to get to have a rebuttal to my song, you know, unless they're also a popular musician. Uh, and so it's really easy to just like totally manipulate the story to make it be like my cases, you know, this is what happened to me. Poor me. And I just like anytime someone's like, I messed up. I'm sorry. Like I like totally, totally screwed you. (laughs) And I feel like, uh, this is kind of that song, you know? And I, I just, I appreciate that when someone does that, because obviously we would not, he could write any story and, and his fans would believe it you know, not in a naive way, just like a, you know, if he wrote a song about, oh, you know, this person broke my heart and it was very sad. People would be like, oh, that is sad. But I just, I yeah. like the perspective of like, yeah, that might've happened, but I also might've done some things that weren't uh, okay. And uh, I think he's uh, honest and uh, introspective in that regard. And, and I, I, I appreciate that. I'm not very good at that myself uh, in writing lyrics. I'm, I'm not, uh, I guess I've got one song that's kind of apologetic, but the rest of them, not so much. So I'm guilty. My bad. Um, let's go to maintain consciousness. It's war, 
chord progression at the end is is really good, and I wish I would have caught more of it. But Chris, what are your thoughts on maintain consciousness? Yeah, this is uh, it feels a little more like the old style of Reliant K. Like it's it's kind of sing songy, but man, ooh la la, the harmonies in this song are so great. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. It always makes me smile. Um, and then I I think. I wrote this down and I think I'm right, but I think this song has that outro swell that swells up into the next song. And I, I just, I love, we've talked about that a lot. Haven't we guys like oh, yeah. where, where you just kind of tie the songs in together. Yeah. I love good yeah. transitions. I yeah. love a well thought out transition. I love songs going into each other. Cause I love albums. Mm. I just, right. And this is an album. Like that's the other thing we haven't really talked about yet. Like, this is not a collection of 14 songs. It really is like it's an album that you should listen to front to back. And I feel like they do that from here on out kind of, especially this, these next three records, mm-hmm. like very particularly. Um, I guess it's really, yeah, these next three records, this one, five score. And um, uh, I just totally forgot the name of the one that comes after that, but forget not slow down. Is that what it's yep. called? Or is that the yep. track? Anyway, nope, forget not um, slow down. and well, so, it's both. Um, and so I just feel like they, they, they make good albums and I feel like the, the transitions between them I like, and, uh, yeah, this is a good picking it up for the last, uh, stretch of the record. I, I like it. I love the chords. I love the background vocals, a very beach boysy, mm. um, yes, yes, the yes, background yes, yes. Vocals. not that the song is actually a beach boys song, but, um, you'd be, um, I would be willing to bet that the Beach Boys are high atop a list of uh, his favorite bands from the 60s. Let's put it that way, right? That's a fair assessment. No doubt. I think that this guy is clearly influenced by it. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Maintain Consciousness? Uh, I can confirm uh, that he's a big Brian Wilson fan, for one. How Uh, could you not be? He's very talented. And then um, I completely agree with Chris. Like, honestly... I think I think maybe the best part of the song is the freaking outro into the intro. The next song it kicks a lot of butt, um, and and I think that this I think what Chris said is right. I think this is a little bit more akin to what they used to do, but it's still with this better perspective and better production and all of that. So it's like the best the best version of that. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I I I I like this one. And, um, and I really like what's coming on this record. So uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, the, well, I think I, you already said mostly like just the harmonies and the, uh, just that that, there's also a breakdown in the middle here. I can't remember (laughs) right now, but that's, uh, the breakdown of the song is really cool too. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah. I just but yeah, I, I get excited at the end because I just want to hear that <laughs> swell into the next one. Again, the other thing, uh, lyrics on here that are uh, very applicable to today, and I'm not saying they weren't in 2004, but they seem better today yeah. than they were. That like the uh, only very temporarily kind of break the cycle of the double edged sword of being lazy and being bored. We just want more and more and more until it's all we can afford. I'm like, that sounds like everyone now and smartphones weren't even a thing <laughs> when he wrote this song. Right. And I just feel like, like that is such a like stamp of kind of, I feel like our generation at this point, we're like, we've got all the entertainment in the world and we're bored somehow. Yep. Um, so anyway, that's my, again, something that was written, you know, 50, over 
15, 16, 17 years ago, and uh, I feel like has as much uh, relevance today as it might have uh, before. So let's jump into the swell. I'm not going to, I didn't start this one at the beginning, so you'll have to hear the swell, the beginning of the song, and then here's the clip. specifically love that that yeah. oh. lyric run into the second mm. verse i think That's it's so good. genius uh you know what's funny you you mentioned earlier kyle that you thought was it uh which song was it that you thought was very blinkish um my girl's ex-boyfriend is that right yeah i feel like this one's very mark specific from Blink. <laughs> yeah this sounds like mark could have yeah. written this song yeah. In, in in a way. Like there's just something about it that feels very um and what's funny is it has that same bouncing piano yeah. that uh my girl's ex boyfriend did. So there's yep. kind of so there's a vibe to both of them that feels very Mark from Blink Way Two specifically, and I'm I'm in it. I like it. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, this week the trend? Uh lo- love that intro. I love uh I love the I, I mean I guess we call it the bridge or the the outro line I just want to get mugged at knife point to get cut enough to wake me up and, and uh and then after that yes. part the freaking guitar parts are so awesome um that's just that, that's a real high point for me uh on this song freaking freaking rocks um an, another awesome song Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, this week, The Trend? This song makes me want to go see them live so bad and just rock out with them. Uh, all, all the songs do, but this one I specifically wrote down. My word, can we see them live, please? Um, just because it, it, this wrong song just freaking rocks so hard. And uh, the background vocals in this song are so great. The way they all, like the way it all flows together, there's so many different parts and harmonies going on. And, and it, it's just it's executed so perfectly. Um, uh, yeah, maybe jealous. I like them. I like the BGVs. Yeah, this is a, a fantastic song. Love the lyrics. Love all the instrumentation. Love the structure of it. Love the song it comes out of before and goes into. I just think it does um, really good job at all that. And uh, and I, I think the lyrics are fantastic. And again, maybe more relevant today than they were in two thousand four. But. Um, I've said that over and over again on this podcast. Yeah, so I'm probably about to say it again. Too much, but absolutely, I love it. I think it's. I probably will. Yeah, I I know I will because I've got it. I'm looking at my notes right now, <laughs> and I'm going to mention it again. So let's go to that. So uh, the penultimate track, uh, "Life After Death and Taxes." Again, it's another one that kind of goes into the last song uh, a bit. So here we go. Every breath. Tax. 
Chris, what are your thoughts on life after death and taxes? Dude, the Beach Boy vibes get strong again on this one, don't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a very, very, very cool song. I mean, if you play the beginning of the song, like 10 seconds of it, and then play the last 10 seconds, how you're like, how in God's name did you get from there to here? It's incredible. Um, and that line, life after death and taxes, just you know, for uh, such a young guy, <laughs> such a, it, such a, the imagery he creates with his lyrics and just very, very introspective, very, very cool stuff. I love, love this song. Very I think that's a really good example of something that he would have, it feels like, okay, so Reliant K before this album felt very like he came up with a clever lyric and then built a song around it. And it was normally something kind of sticky or funny or punny. Like mm. he's very punny. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Is that fair to say, yeah. Kyle? Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and, but I feel like this is a good example of like live after death is something you hear all the time and you hear death and taxes all the time. And for him to squish those together to me is like genius and I love it, but it's also like a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. And uh, it's the right amount of tongue in cheek for me though. Like I'm like, yes, like you've nailed it now. This is exactly what you're really good at is like not trying to be punny. Cause like, for example, um, so, I mean, I know he had a lot to do with this and he, this is, he should have had a lot to do with it because the guy was kind of ripping him off. But Al City obviously is more influenced <laughs> by Reliant K than anyone else. Obviously, when people said when people when Al City came out and they were like, "Oh, it sounds like Postal Service," I'm like, "You are wrong. It sounds like <laughs> Matt Thiessen. Yeah, is what it sounds like." And and um and to me, he was being like really punny with stuff all the time, and it was all about the pun and all about like making these lyrics, which is interesting. I'm not like dogging on it or anything like that. Like. Eminem does a lot of that stuff too with rapping too. He's like really clever with like turning a phrase and stuff like that. I just feel like Matthew Thiessen just kind of nailed it with like this, like he found the right um, balance of those two things with this record. And like, this is a good example of the song that does it. Cause life after death and taxes, Chris, you're right. is like a genius line that I go (laughs) like, how did no one think of that before? Like it's literally two things we say all the time and he smushed them together and and it to me it it drives the point home way better than it would have without the the line. Kyle, it's funny that oh, yeah, well, go I was gonna say one thing real quick. It's funny we keep saying tongue in cheek because wasn't doesn't their album yeah. title the anatomy of tongue in cheek one of the records before this wasn't it okay yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry yeah no I mean they they they're aware of it. I'm not saying that they're like they didn't know what was going on, but yeah, it's uh it could be too cute. Yeah, you know you can get too yeah. cute with it. And I feel like this. At no point on this record does he say anything where I roll my eyes. Like, I'm just in. Like, it, yeah. it just sounds good. I like it. It all works. It works really well within the subject. Uh, Kyle, what are, your, what are your thoughts on life after death and taxes? Uh, really like this one. I love, um, I love the part of the song, and this is how I choose to live, as if I'm jumping off a cliff knowing that you'll save me. Uh, I like that a lot. And, and this is... Yeah. It, I guess I'll go ahead and mention that I said that there were two other songs that kind of flow together. These two, not quite as seamlessly as the first, but I feel like this song and when I go down are kind of like, they could kind of be one song. They flow into one another nicely. Um, and, and it's like kind of a follow up to this song, you know, directly. Um, so I really like these two songs together as well. Probably, don't want to listen to one without the other. Um, really like the lyrics. And I completely agree with what you said, Blake. Like, I, th- I think that they are very, 
you know, they're good at being tongue in cheek, but also like I'm, I'm never rolling my eyes in this album. It never feels cheesy or gimmicky. It just always feels clever. And, um, and I mean, it's like, I haven't heard anything on this record yet that I don't like. And, and, uh, spoiler, I probably won't. So. <laughs> at this point you might not yeah. okay well, let's go to the last track track 14 when I go down which I, I agree with Kyle I think it's a part B of this song we hope. Are you still with us for the last track? Do you still like the last track? You're still in the record. Still in, and I'm just bummed that I certainly you were so. just like you were just like seconds shy of it even getting cooler. You know, like you grabbed all these awesome things, and I I was hoping you'd get to the Bapas, just not quite. And I made that ten seconds longer than I normally make <laughs> clips, or five or ten seconds. Long. So I mean, it's like you, I couldn't pause. I was, I was trying to cram anything I could. I was like, man, if I go over forty seconds, that's too much. Um, and uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, like I would love to just put this whole track. I mean, it really, again, we say this with every album on this podcast, but you should really like listen to the whole album and then come hear us yap about it because. These little clips are, um, I'm trying to grab 30 seconds of the song to make it go like, it's hard. peak your interest, but man, it is so hard on this album, uh, because these songs are all over the place in a great way. And, um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, on some of them, I just wanted to grab the transition from the end of one track to the beginning of the next, yeah. uh, cause I think they work really well. Uh, Kyle, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, thoughts on the song other than, uh, other than that? Um, you know, I, I think. I don't think it would be a stretch for me to say that like he's he's obviously delving into uh quite a bit of like his personal faith on this song. And again, I find I find it endearing because it doesn't feel gimmicky, it doesn't feel like he's selling anything. It's just sounds like he's telling us a story and like or actually rather it sound it feels like he's letting us in. Like instead of trying to sell me something, we get this glimpse of who this dude is and what he thinks. And so it's just really, really nice, really beautiful, uh, really beautiful um personal song. I agree. Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on the last track? And uh, I think Kyle really put it best. I mean, it's uh you're almost worn out by the time you get to this song because like you've been on such a musical God, it sounds so cheesy to say it. I'm just going to say it. You've been on such a musical journey. I hate that I said it. I hate myself, but it really is like, <laughs> there's a lot hate of music happening in this record. A lot of really good music. And, and I feel like he does kind of softly close the doors uh, to this album um, in a very nice way, in a very sweet way. None of us are complaining about the track order on this, right? Oh, I mean, no, not not me at least. I'm yeah, complaining about the 10 year I mean, version they released and added songs after it. 
No, that's why you should. Uh, we've been over this bonus tracks. <laughs> Guys, listen are to stupid us. and worthless. There are exceptions to the rule, but they're almost worth getting rid of all bonus tracks and, you know, maybe foregoing a few that we like miss, but like this is it, yeah. It creates the worst. a chaotic musical economy that where you just don't know what when you're searching if you got the right thing. It, it's chaos. And I'm not a, I'm not about it. I'm not, and I, 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 there's nothing worse than this perfect ending song ending, and then like some acoustic version of a B side <laughs> coming on, and you're or like, or when you, well, or when you like look up one of your favorite it. songs, and there's like, it's like the oh newly remastered track, and you just hear something hit your ear weird, like I don't remember there being a tuba in this song. What the heck is going on? <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's sorry, we had a tuba, and we, we, we just like raised it in the mix for for the 15 year anniversary, and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> But why would you do that? Uh, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, for some reason, musicians started uh, George Lucasing crap. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, they realized they also had the technology to change their digital music after the fact. And uh, and I'm not accusing Reliant K of this. This is just more of a, a rant in general. Uh, but yeah, I don't like the 10 year anniversary versions. I'm okay with a a remastering, not a remixing. Remastering is fine because, you know, digital is a slightly different thing than maybe it was for CDs at the time. Fine. Remastering. Great. Although it's mostly a buzzword. Uh, But I'm not into the like, I think if you're going to release a, here are all the demos of this album, it's like a separate disc or it's like a separate thing. It's not, don't give me the album on Spotify or wherever. And then it has like four extra tracks that I don't want to hear. It drives me nuts. I don't like it. And I, I'm hard pressed to find the fan that does. I, I, I have a phrase. Yeah. About yeah. it. Is that show me, show box? me, show me that person. I, I have a phrase about yeah. it. It's please tell us Kyle. It's a uh, bonus tracks bone us. Yeah, that was, um, but see that even has a positive connotation to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't so mean, I'm not, I'm non- not con- they non-consensually bone us. Not in the, not in a good way. Okay, I see where you're going with it. Uh, yeah, it's a good ending track, and uh, I I want it to end there. I don't want to hear a bonus track. Don't give it to me. Don't bonus. Not interested. Um, gosh, there's a third. Third Eye Blind changed entire portions of songs on Out of the Vein on the vinyl. By the way, Chris, you got to listen to it next time you're around here. It's actually Yuck. okay though. Like I don't. It's not it. what it was, though. Yeah, and it's just, but it's like an intro to the song. It's like the intro is, is it just called, longer. Is it like, it, does the album say like, is it like different artwork? I mean, no, it, it's just it, like, like, literally, I put it on and I was like, I've never heard this part of this album before, for sure. I mean, because, you know, that's an album that I just adore. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, what is this? Um, and because it was sort of an intro, I didn't mind it as much. Like, you could tell they recorded it originally and probably just cut it out. Yeah. And then they decided maybe they wanted it back in. But it's still one of those just weird things where I'm like, no, this is not the thing I loved. This is some other version <laughs> of it. Um, you know, I don't know. That's just my dumb soapbox. Uh, Chris, no, do you no, have any thoughts on, on the last track, not, When I Go Down? Uh, not that I haven't already shared. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. It's, it's, uh, it's just a, a great, it's a good, good Alamany song. Like, they, I love it. So let's go to our lasting impressions. I mean, again, duh. Does it hold up? God, yeah. Yeah. A doy. 
In fact, it sounds some, like it could have been recorded like a few weeks ago. Yeah, really. I mean, there's nothing that feels dated to me. I mean, obviously, the, other than the fact that there's not as much uh, like uh, forbidden beat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and stuff going on right now, but just in the trend of music currently. But um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the lyrics are more uh, hit me harder now than they did uh, then, I think is a fair thing to say for sure. Like the, the lyrics weren't the thing that necessarily like I liked them, but they weren't the thing that like grabbed me originally. It was just mm-hmm. like all the amazing stuff going on instrumentally and vocally and stuff. And now the lyrics are you know, one of my favorite parts of the whole album. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, you think it holds up as well? I, I mean, de- definitely. It holds up. I mean, I, I had the same, you, you mentioned it all the way through it, but I had the same thoughts over the last couple of weeks. It's just like, man, this is relevant now. Um, and, and I think just as relevant. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and not it, it, just like Chris said, not, not just lyrically, musically, like it sat, it, it, it sounds great. Um, and it's not, yep. you know, they, they've put their own spin on like pop punk. Yeah. A lot of it, like a couple of the songs sound like Mark Hoppus blink One Eighty Two specifically. But like, when we say that we're talking about how good it sounds and like, that's like the top tier of pop punk at the time. Uh, but like they're adding banjo yep. and all of these interesting background vocal elements. Like, yeah, man, it, it, it holds up in every way. No, and in no way am I ever, like, on an album like this, I'm never going to be like, just because I say a song sounds like someone else, like, in no way am I, like, being like, oh, they ripped that person yeah. off, or they're unoriginal, or whatever, like, he's put, they're putting their own spin on this, it sounds like Reliant K the whole time, I would never Absolutely, confuse yeah. it yeah. for Blink-22, or Motion City Soundtrack, or any of the other stuff, but... You mean it as a but compliment. I like hearing the influences... Yeah, I mean it like I like when people take something and go like, "Oh, I like this and I'm going to put my own little spin on it, but like I'm all I'm also paying homage to the thing that came before it." Um, and I think they do that well. Um, so is it their best album? This is where I think things could get interesting. Um, I think we go to Chris first on this one. Chris, what do you think? Oh, man, I don't know. It's hard to say yes. <laughs> it's uh they the, these musical concepts and ideas that he just like presents to us, like, like just pulls out of his butt. Uh, he expands on that <laughs> in profound ways on the next two records. And who best is a, is a tricky word. It, it's my favorite record of theirs for reasons close to my heart, but I, I can't, I can't say it's their best. I am a little torn. I kind of feel a little bit about these three records. So this, and five score seven years and um forget not slow down i kind of feel the same way about them that i do about those four jimmy world records Mm. i just kind of feel like i can't pick one because they have some sort of like different feeling to them or something so this one's definitely a little bit more of like the fun kind of feeling record and then forget not slow down is definitely a little bit more depressing (laughs) yeah but it like it was the right record for they all kind of hit me at the when they came out they were all the perfect record for what was happening to me like right then like this came out and we were going to record our ep it was like super exciting fun times the next one came out and we were a little bit more in the middle of like Ah, what's going on with the band things and stuff like that. And so that record, like, I mean, I remember wearing out five corns, five, five score, seven years ago or whatever it's called. Um, and, uh, 
just wearing that out when we were on the road because it just meant a lot to me then. And then forgetting to slow down felt like that too for me. But then I was like married and had a normal job and stuff. So I can't pick really well which one I think is their best. Um, I, I think I'd have to maybe go with five score just because that last track is the definition of epic on that record. It's like, you know, 12 minutes long and again, Oof. an opus of sorts. And uh, it's pretty strong. And so uh, I'm going to go to Kyle because Kyle's the biggest Reliant K fan of the three of us. And so I feel like his opinion should be final. <sighs> Kyle, what is your, what do you think their best album is? So I agree with what you just said, Blake. I feel the exact same way as far as like comparing it to the way we talked about Jimmy Eat World's records. Um, like the next, this record and the following two are, honestly, we talked about it with Paramore too. Like I, I think they're all perfect records. These, those three releases are three perfect releases. Um, I think for my own personal taste, um, I think Forget and Not Slow Down just just very specifically it is a dude at the absolute top of his game when it comes to lyrics and like the whole turn of phrase and nice nice things or nice nice lyrics that he that he wrote on this record like he is at the top of his game on forget and not slow down it is just so good lyrically um i think that's my personal favorite but the the next three records are perfect uh they fall off a little bit for me after that but honestly their latest release from 2016 air for free is also fantastic. So, um, my favorite record is forget. Yeah, I think, I think collapsible lung was like, a. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Collapsible lung is like a little bit of a dip for me, but it still yeah. has a lot of really, really good songs on it. Yep, but then mm-hmm. I agree. Air for free is really good too. Like he just, he's, he does well. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think that's, a. I think you, I mean, not that you can be right or wrong about that, but, it is. I think you're right about the lyrical part on "Forget and Not Slow Down." Like it's a, it's a really good, um, really good. I think you're right. Top of his game, kind of thing. And this was kind of maybe the start of that yep. kind of lyrical prowess that he's learning. Yeah. So, um, is it their most important album? I mean, is is it their? Mo- I mean, I assume it's the one that sold the most, right, Kyle? I mean, so it's got to be. I meant. I, I I'm looking right now at the uh, reception on on uh forget or excuse me on five score and yeah definitely um yeah it it way outsold five score <laughs> five score and seven years ago sold has sold okay. one hundred fifty two thousand copies dang i bought one of those a day came out at target exactly I was super excited <laughs> i probably did too we probably both did the same i day. bet we did <laughs> i bet we both bought it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I wore that album out, um, for sure. So, um, I am one of 150,000 people apparently that did lucky so. Lucky people. Yeah, very lucky people. It's a great album. Uh, okay, let's go to awards. So, Desert Island Songs. Man, if you had to pick two or three, start with Chris. It's hard, but it is uh, hard. I gotta go with two, two easy ones. The one I'm waiting for in Hive 75. That's, I, I don't think any ex- explanation is uh, necessary. And then, um, I went for number three, Life After Death and Taxes. That's a you good get like one. five songs for one. You do. You kind of get. It's kind of like yeah. You do kind of get some. Kyle, uh, what are, what are your three? Two or three? I assume there's going to be three. Oh. So okay, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna go high of seventy five. 
And I'm going to go death and taxes and when I go down. Okay. I like it. I think I'm more than useless this week, the trend and probably the one I'm waiting for. I think those are my three, but man, it is really hard on this it's record. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, Life After Death and Taxes is a is a great song, and I would almost pick it, but man, that intro, just like the intro track in general of the one I'm waiting for mm. is, is just hits me. Because I think it hits me like it did the first time I heard it, and I was like, oh my oh, gosh, I time. really like Reliant K now. <laughs> like, it's I'm so into uplifting it. and just exciting. I mean, it's just so great. Every drum part, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, is there a nobody's perfect on this where there's, is there a worse song on this record? I mean, for either one of you? No, not for me. I, I'm not. No, I can't. There's nothing that I, I would, who I am would hate who I'd been after saying there was a <laughs> yep. bad song yep. on this record. I love them all so much. I, you know, I don't think there's a worse song on the record, but I could, I could not have my girl's ex-boyfriend on it and be okay if that makes sense. Mm. But I like the song still. It's just, it's probably my least favorite on the record. Um, And, but like I said, that's, that's me like really trying to dip into the, like, if I had to kick one like off, like if I had to kick a song off, but yeah, I, I wouldn't you. kick it off. Like I wouldn't skip it. I'm not, you know, when I play it, I play the whole record. It's not like I want to skip that song or ever did. Like if they um, told you that CD technology had, like devolved just before this record was out and you right. had to remove one song. You'd be like, okay, well it's going to be this one. Yeah. But that's... you're, but otherwise, I love this like scenario is. that someone's like, the technology has changed. You have to get rid of a song. It's like survivor <laughs> to get rid of. So you've got to vote someone off the Island. Um, Sounds like a what Christopher about Nolan grower, film. not a shower. Is there, is there one of those? It could be a Nolan film. <laughs> Uh, is there a grower, not a shower for either one of you? Like a song that you didn't like maybe at first that hasn't since become, you've become very fond of. No, this, like, I feel, I really feel like this, this album is, is like a journey that you go on with them from start to finish. And, uh, and I, and like, I enjoyed the ride from the first time through. Kyle, I think I mean, you, you know, said that perfectly. Yeah, yeah Journey yeah. is a great... That's perfect. Chris, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, in a way for me, the whole album is that because it's like a, just the surprise of how great this band had become. You know, it was <laughs> getting to listen to it over and over again and be like, I really didn't like these guys. <laughs> I love them now. Yeah, and like I <laughs> said, so there are like three or four bands like that for me where I just like wasn't into it and then it took one record. And honestly, for the most part, it took... 30 seconds of the first song of a record for me to go like, okay, like something has changed here. And obviously you get better as a band as you do it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I think they're a good example. This is four albums in. Um, That's yes. That is the incredible part to me is I, I can't think of any other time in my musical like past where I wasn't like super into a band 
And within what would you say, 30 seconds of like hearing the album, I was like, oh, now I love them. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, this might be my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't uh, happen very much. But yeah, I was I was I was hooked after this. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely not a grower on it to me. The whole thing, um, I guess the band is the grower for me yeah. because they but even that I wouldn't call it because it literally was like it took one you know, one song, one album to make me totally turn on a dime in 180. Yep. So that's not even like a grow. That's like a just instantly is in front of me as a, hey, you like this band now. It's a full-blown um, show. Any other thoughts on the album or the band? Yeah, full-blown show. Um, before we wrap up, anything else y'all want to talk about? Anything you got to get off your chest about Reliant K, lyrics, transitions, epic, opusness? Opusness. That's a now. I'm just making all sorts of different verbs and adjectives for uh, the word opus. Just none of which that, makes sense. Just that I think Matthew is like probably from me and Kyle both have stories about meeting him. He he might be one of the nicest guys in rock and roll show business I ever met. Which total you know, sweetheart. You know what's interesting about that to me? I've not met him, uh, but yeah, it sounds like he's very nice. I've heard very nice things from you all as well as other people. But like he's he's obviously like a musical like he's really he's not just like like a good songwriter that like then someone else makes like he's a really good musician like he plays all those horns mm-hmm. and stuff like that on deathbed and things and like arranged it all and like he's clearly got like quite the musical mind and sometimes those are the ones that are uh, like awkward and weird <laughs> and stuff and so you know it just seems like uh, yeah good guy seems to like, I like the way he works through his uh, problems in lyrics. I think it's an honest thing that I admire and I wish I did better. Um, And yeah, great band. Uh, And I look forward to doing other albums of theirs on this very podcast Mm -hmm. as we get to them, but I guess that's it. So thanks for listening. And of course, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star review. We like that. You can also subscribe. So these episodes just show up every couple weeks when we release them. Uh, and of course we mentioned, you know, a great way to get your perspective, be you female or, uh, anything else, uh, you know, is to email us info at finding email pod, or you can do Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all the social media stuff at finding emo pod. That is our handle. Uh, hit us up, argue with us, tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. Heap praises upon us or, uh, or tell us we're idiots. We don't really care. We'll, we'll, we'll chat with you either way. Uh, And that's it for us. So I guess we will catch you next time.